Have you ever had someone make a comment to you and it made you curious? I remember as a 19-year-old youth pastor, the senior pastor of the church I was serving went on vacation one weekend and I was preaching. And this dear, dear lady in the church, she just looked really sad, really depressed and discouraged the entire service. And so afterwards, as she came through the line and shook my hand, I said, Edie, what's wrong? And she said, oh, nothing really. She said, you know, church just isn't the same without a preacher. I had just preached, so I was a little concerned about that comment. And I said, I'm sorry, what did you say? Church just isn't the same without a preacher. Well, I kind of said, well, I'll pray that your day gets better. And I must have had a look go across my face because I thought, that kind of hurts my feelings, you know. A look must have crossed my face because later that week she called me on the phone. That's back when we did that. We, she called me on the phone rather than texting or emailing. And she said, you know, Steve, I'm just so sorry. I, I was kind of down on Sunday, and I, I'm sorry if I um, wasn't real clear and wasn't real uh, warm with you, but, you know, church just isn't the same without a preacher. <laughs> I think she was making herself very clear, but it made me curious as to why she would say that to the guy that just preached. But now when asked to submit comments that we read in Scripture that cause us to be curious about what's meant in the passage, you did that. Many, many people gave to us comments that made them curious. And in this six-week series, we're going to look at some of the ones that were submitted. And then on Tuesday nights in a growth group, we will deal with as many of the others as we can deal with. And so you'll want to join us for that growth group. But let me tell you which ones we're going to deal with here. It's in your bulletin there, but we'll talk about how God guides us today. And then Next weekend, we'll talk about, is there a sin that God won't forgive? And then we'll talk about, does Jesus want me to hate my family? He seems to say that, you know. And then we'll deal with the comment, should women be silent in church? I really wanted Pastor Bill to deal with that, but he's making me do it instead. And then on August 26th, we're going to deal with, is it possible for me to be perfect? And then on uh, Labor Day weekend, we'll deal with, are we predestined to be either saved or lost? And each week, uh, we will tell you what we're doing in the growth group. This Tuesday night, we'll be talking about what the Bible says about heaven and hell. And I hope you'll join us for that on our Moon campus. But today, we will try to alleviate the curiosity of someone who wrote this. Psalm 32, verse 8 says, God will guide us and show us where to go. How does he guide us? Let me read the verse that they mentioned in Psalm 32, verse 8. It says, the Lord says, I will make you wise and show you where to go. I will guide you and watch over you. Now, I wasn't surprised when we got this suggested topic through a Facebook message. It was one of the most common questions that 
Christians ask. It might be stated in many forms. You might ask, how can I know God's will for my life? Or how can I be sure that I'm following God rather than my own desires? Or as this person asked, how does God guide us? Why is this topic of concern for so many people? Several uh, reasons might be the case for that. They may cause people to be curious about this. I mean, we sincerely want to do what God wants us to do. Or we fear the consequences of missing out on God's will for our life. Or we've been frustrated because while we've sincerely tried to pay attention to what God wanted us to do, his leading and his guiding hasn't always seemed clear. But many of us have learned the hard way that finding ourselves outside of God's will, outside of God's plan for ourselves, can be a pretty uncomfortable place to be. So we really strive to follow God. We really strive to let him guide us. And in the process, we have many people telling us what they think God wants us to do. Have you noticed that? The old saying says, God loves you and everyone else has a wonderful plan for your life. And that seems to be true. And while it's easy to get confused by so many competing voices, I believe God wants us to know his will. I believe that he will guide us and that he does have a wonderful plan for our life if we will just follow him. Look at these verses from Ephesians chapter 5. So be very careful how you live. Do not live like those who are not wise, but live wisely. Use every chance you have for doing good because these are evil times. So do not be foolish, but learn what the Lord wants you to do. This verse... And the rest of the Bible says clearly that we can learn what the Lord wants us to do. We can learn to recognize and follow his guidance. Unfortunately, there are some really bad ideas out there floating around about what God wants you to do. Ways that I don't think help you discover what God wants you to do. And so before I tell you how God guides us, let me review some poor methods for discovering God's will. These aren't in your printed notes, so if you want them, you will have to list them here. The first one is the correct formula method. This method attempts to indicate that if you just use the right formula, you will always know God's plan and his direction. This may come from some book or some article or some blog that you have read of the 10 easy steps for discovering God's will. It may suggest that if you just spend the right number of hours in Bible study and the right number of hours in prayer, you will know God's will. And part of the problem with this is every book and every article and every blog has a different correct formula which tells me that there isn't one correct formula, or we would have all discovered it and be using it by now. The second method is what I call the biblical roulette method. This is the method of just kind of opening the Bible after you pray and pointing to a verse and uh, trusting God to lead you and show you what he wants you to do by pointing 
to that verse. Now, I tried this while preparing this message just uh, as uh, an illustration or for illustration purpose. I'm not making this up. I opened and I pointed to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 8. It says, the infant will play near the hole of the cobra and the young child put his hand in the viper's nest. Isn't that deep? I guess the right interpretation was to go get poisonous snakes and let our nursery and preschool kids play with them today. Now, if you are a parent of a nursery or preschool child, please don't go running to the nursery. There's no reason for you to panic right now. You don't need to rescue your kids because the very next verse says they will neither harm nor destroy. So I guess that should give you comfort, right? No, be comforted by the fact that I knew this was not the way to discover God's will, and so your kids will not be playing with snakes today. That was fun, but not an effective method of letting God guide us. Another method that is a poor method is the peace as proof method. This is one of the most common bad methods used by many Christ followers. They will say, I prayed about it, and I just... I just have a peace about it. Now, it is true that you will have God's peace when you are in the middle of God's plan for your life. That is true. It is also true that we tend to invent feelings of peace for the things we want to do in our life. I've had people tell me uh, that they have a peace about entering an adulterous relationship. You know, they think it can't be wrong if it feels so right. I've had people tell me that they have a peace about refusing to forgive or spreading gossip or calling into sick, sick for work when they aren't sick. And too often, we can feel peace about things that are clearly not God's plan for us. The last one would be the blank mind method. This method says, I just sit quietly and I clear my mind of all of my thoughts and all of my worries and my responsibilities, and I let Jesus impress upon me what he wants me to do. And there are two problems with this. The first is, it's really hard to clear your mind to the point that you really have a blank mind. And then secondly, often when you think that you have... Uh, cleared your mind and have this blank mind, what seems to be impressed on you that Jesus wants you to do is really selfish or really self-serving. And it often involves pulling back on what you're doing for the Lord, or it seems God's impressing on you what you should be telling someone else that they should be doing. Well, I hope you see why I think that all of these are poor methods. Now, let's answer our question, how does God guide us? How does God guide us? I think God can guide us in several different ways, and he can use a combination of several different ways. So let me point out five ways. The first is this, God guides us through Bible teaching. He guides us through Bible teaching. Look at this passage from 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, keep on being faithful to what you were taught and to what you believed. After all, you know who taught you these things. Since childhood, you have known the holy scriptures that are able to make you wise enough to have faith in Christ Jesus and to be saved. Everything in the scripture is God's word. 
All of it is useful for teaching and helping people and for correcting them and showing them how to live. The scriptures train God's servants to do all kinds of good deeds. Reading and studying the Bible is one of the key ways for letting God guide you. The Bible is useful for showing you how to live and correcting and helping and teaching you. And while just opening the page and pointing to a verse is a bad way of discovering God's will, studying, especially the commands of the Bible, is a good way of discovering God's will. It helps you to know some things for sure. You can know some things for sure. You see, there are certain decisions that I don't even have to pray about. I don't have to pray about them to know God's will. I know it is God's will for me to pay taxes and obey the laws of our land because the Bible commands me to do that. I know it would not be, uh, I would not be following God's guidance if I entered a sexual relationship with someone other than Jill because God command, uh, commands that sex is reserved for the marriage relationship. And I know God is guiding me to forgive those who hurt me because the Bible commands me to do that. You see, God has made his will clear in our lives by using scriptural commands to guide us to attend worship regularly, to give at least 10% of our income, and to use our talents to serve him. All of these things are clearly his plan for what is best for us because he clearly tells us to do these things. He clearly tells us to do these things. And a very simple and clear way of following God's guidance is just to obey his commands. Simply obey his commands. Look at what it says in John 14. Jesus said, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Now, here's a hint. God will never guide you to disobey him. God will never guide you to disobey him. Anytime you find yourself trying to rationalize or find a loophole or negotiate to be able to ignore something that God has commanded you to do, you are missing God's guidance in your life. Secondly, God guides us through godly advice. Through godly advice. One of the reasons God gave to us the church is so that we would build relationships with people who are spiritually wise, people who can advise us and help us to see God's guidance in our life. Now, I used to do a lot of one-on-one counseling in my ministry. We now have Jim Redont on our staff who does a great job of that, and myself and our other pastors don't do very much one-on-one counseling. And we also refer people to godly Christian counselors when uh, we need to. So now, my primary counseling role is in a group setting. It's right here, right now. Every week, myself or our other pastors try to give wise spiritual counsel to people who are hurting or maybe just beginning down a wrong path or who need encouragement. Look at what Proverbs chapter 12 says. Stupid people always think they are right. Wise people listen to advice. If you always think that you know the right answer, the Bible says that you are not very intelligent. Because wise people are willing to listen. Wise people listen to advice. Impact tries to make it easy for you to get the help and the advice you need when you need it. Our pastors and our leaders are always available, and we have our first step team available after each service. But 
the fact that God guides us through godly advice is also one of the reasons that we emphasize growth groups so much. Our growth groups are a great place for you to go and ask advice. The people there will get to know you. They'll get to know your situation, and hopefully they'll be able to help you. Look at what it says in Proverbs 24. Wisdom brings strength and knowledge gives power. Battles are won by listening to advice and making lots of plans. Seated around you today are people who can advise you on a number of issues. If you're struggling with parenting, ask advice for, from someone who raised good and godly kids, what they would do, ask them. And if you're struggling with finances, you might ask people who are honoring God financially and are doing well financially. And if you're dealing with a work problem, ask a person who's godly and working in a similar situation as you. Here's the hint. Wise people can help you avoid stupid mistakes. Wise people can help you avoid stupid mistakes. Many times we make mistakes because we don't ask anyone to give us spiritual advice. The next one, God guides us through common sense. God has given us a brain, and I think he expects us to use it. Plain and simple. Most often, God guides us in the path that makes sense. If it isn't opposed to what the Bible teaches and it's sensible, it might be God's will. Look at what Psalm 119 says. I am your servant, therefore give me common sense to apply your rules to everything that I do. Again, we need to apply God's rules, but often the sensible choice can be God's guidance in your life. Some of our best decisions have just come through common sense. Let's use parenting as an example. Jill and I knew that God wanted us as parents to help our kids get close to Jesus, and so we brought them to church each week, and at about two weeks old, we put them in the nursery and children's programs, and we knew the worship service was geared for adults and that they would learn better in a program aimed at them, and so we put them there, and we uh, also didn't let their hobbies and activities keep them out of church. Even on vacation, we went to church sometimes because... Uh, we went to church somewhere because if my kids were going to learn that Jesus was important, it had to be a bigger priority in their lives than other things in their lives. And study after study shows junior high and high school kids are, uh, that's the time frame when kids choose to trust Jesus for salvation and make lifelong commitments to him. Therefore, Jill and I always made sure that our kids went to the things that our church had for student ministries and to camps and to retreats geared for them. Now, does all that sound a little strict and dogmatic to you? It isn't really. It's just sensible. It's common sense. If I wanted my kids to know and follow Jesus, I was going to make sure that they had consistent spiritual input. And by the way, my kids are both active in their faith and they're in their churches this weekend, so I think it worked. Now, we made mistakes in other areas of parenting, but that wasn't one of them. Now we're at the stage of trying to apply common sense to following God's leading and things like not interfering in our adult kids' decision-making and positively influencing our grandkids and taking care of our aging parents and planning for retirement. The Bible is clear. God guides through common sense. Look at Proverbs 2. 
All wisdom comes from the Lord, and so do common sense and understanding. God wants us to use our brain to make wise decisions that also follow his purpose and his guidelines. Now, here's a hint. God's guidance is not a life map, but a lifestyle. It's not a life map, but a lifestyle. Sometimes we have seen God's will as this script for our lives that we must live out. And I don't think it works that way. I don't think he scripts it all out for us. He just gives us choices and he expects us to use his principles and common sense to make decisions. He doesn't guide us to a a specific address of the house that we should live in. He expects us to use common sense and godly wisdom in making those kinds of choices. The next one, God guides us through strong feelings. Now, you have to be careful here because it's easy to to make mistakes when we're focused on our feelings, but sometimes God does lead us through strong feelings. When talking about how he is our shepherd, Jesus says this about the shepherd. In John 10, he says, he walks ahead of them and they follow him for they recognize his voice. They won't follow a stranger, but they will run from him for they don't recognize his voice. Jesus says, we will recognize his voice. And maybe you've been a little frustrated as I have by people who seem to constantly talking, be talking about how God spoke to them and God told them this and spoke to them about that. I'm a little frustrated by that too because I have never ever heard a audible voice of God. I have never ever heard God's voice say, Steve, do this. I've never heard that. And so I'm a little frustrated when people say, God told me or God spoke to me. And um, so we, we have to be a little careful of the, about that because I do know that God has impressed things upon me many times. I have recognized his voice in many situations. So how can we recognize his voice? Well, we can recognize his voice often when we pray. Often when we pray. When you pray, often God will impress upon you his answer and his direction in your life. It may be a quiet confidence of what he wants you to do. It may be an uncomfortable correction, but he often communicates to us when we pray. Here's one suggestion. Stop asking God for things long enough to just listen. Just say, God, I'm going to be quiet now, and I'm just going to listen to you. Please show me your way. Guide me. And then pay attention to the discomfort that you feel about certain things in your life at that time or the common sense idea that seems to come to you at that time. God often speaks to us when we pray. Secondly, Sometimes we recognize his voice through strong desires. Sometimes we recognize his voice through strong desires. Be really careful here, but often God will put a desire in your heart to serve him in some different way or to offer help to someone or uh, to help solve a problem, to phone someone who you haven't talked to in many years. And these may be leadings from the Lord and it could be God's guidance in your life. A few weeks ago, I was getting into my car after leaving, or as I was leaving Sheets, and when I got in my car, I noticed a man sitting at a table right there who looked really upset. In fact, 
he appeared to be crying. An adult man. And I felt like, gee, maybe I should get out and ask him if he's okay. But I didn't do that. I drove off. And I got on Business 376, and I just continued to feel like he needed help, and maybe I needed to help him. So I got back off, and I went back, and I'm saying to God the whole time, I don't know if this is you or just me being weird, but if he's still there, I'm going to talk to him. And he was still there. So I got out of my car, and I said, you look upset. I just wanted to see if I could help anyway. And he told me in pretty colorful language to mind my own business. And so I said, okay, I'll pray for you. And I got back in my car and I left. Now, was that a leading from God? I think so. Do I understand it? No, no. But I'm glad I went back. Last one, occasionally God leads in unusual ways. In unusual ways. Hear me clearly. This doesn't happen often. But sometimes God will use unusual ways to guide you. I've had this happen on a number of occasions, but let me tell you about a friend. I had a friend who was considering how to solve a problem in the ministry where he served. And his wife said to him one day, I've been praying about this, and I think God wants you to do this because if you don't, you will be controlled by the fear of men. The very next day, he got a call from a friend who he hadn't talked to in about five years, who didn't know anything about the situation. And the friend said, Greg, I don't know why, I just feel like the Lord wanted me to call you and tell you this scripture. And when Greg looked up the scripture, the scripture warned him about being controlled by the fear of men. Now, I have a few, a few personal stories where God has led in unusual ways. And that kind of thing doesn't happen very often, but carefully pay attention when it does. Here's a hint. Don't substitute your selfish desires for his direction. If it's all about you and you are the person benefiting most from it, it may be your selfish desires leading you rather than God guiding you. Next, God leads us through specific circumstances. Through specific circumstances. Proverbs 16.9 says, A person may plan his own journey, but the Lord directs his steps. And Proverbs 19 says this, We may make a lot of plans, but the Lord will do what he has decided. I believe God guides us through circumstances, but we often overlook them or we ignore them. Here are two things to pay attention to when you're trying to decide if God is guiding you through circumstances. First, pay attention to open doors. Pay attention to open doors. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we read this. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. Paul said that he would stay longer in Ephesus because he felt like God had opened a door for his ministry there. It's interesting that the opposition seemed to be part of the open door that he was seeing there, but um, that, that's another message. But I think God has done this for us as a church many times. I think he's done this for our moon relocation. He opened the doors for us to purchase what used to be the airport ice arena. And there were several times along the path when I thought that door was closing. 
When I thought that, the, that we were coming up to stoppers and barriers and each time God got us through that, he opened the door and over and over he seems to be making it clear to our leaders that God didn't just open the doors, he's kicking them down. And it will be exciting to see how God opens more and more doors as a result of us walking through this one. But he does this in our lives too. He opens doors to help us get out of a relationship that's not helping us spiritually. He opens doors for us to get more involved in serving him. He opens doors for us to talk to someone that we know about Jesus and about the hope that Jesus gives. So let me ask you, what open doors have you been ignoring? What open doors have you been ignoring? But the other thing to consider when you're trying to figure out God's guidance through specific circumstances is pay attention to closed doors. Pay attention to closed doors. Acts 16, we read this. After they arrived in Mycenae, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not let them. Interesting verse. They wanted to go and serve Jesus. They had a vision for this area that I believe is now Spain, and they wanted to go there and serve Jesus. They wanted to minister to people. They wanted to share the gospel with people. They wanted to do something really good, and God said, no. The doors kept closing. The spirit of Jesus would not let them go. Why? I don't think we have a clear answer yet. I don't think the Bible tells us. And sometimes God closes doors and we don't understand why. I'm here as your pastor because God closed a door. I really believed God wanted me to lead, to lead the church that I served prior to coming here until I retired. But God seemed to close the door and I resigned. And honestly, I still don't understand that closed door in my life. But I never would have known any of you if that door hadn't closed and the other, the next door hadn't have opened. So pay attention to closed doors and open doors. Here's a hint. If you have to kick down the door, God isn't leading you through it. If you have to kick it down, God's not leading you through it. Too many times people try to manipulate the situation to make it appear a door is open when really a door has been closed and God is guiding them to stop rather than to move forward. Here's one more hint that applies to all the ways that God leads us. Don't hurry. Some miss out on God's best because they get impatient with his pace. Does anybody else think God is way too slow sometimes? I think that it's really clear what he ought to do in some situations and that it would be just like him to just drop that blessing right there and to move us forward. And he's so slow. But you know what I figured out? Even when I get frustrated, his pace is always right. His pace is always right. There's another promise in the Bible about God guiding us that I love, but it makes me curious. I put it there in your notes, Isaiah 30, verse 21. It says, if you go the wrong way, to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the right way. You should go this way. Isn't that a great promise? 
if you're walking with God and you're going down the road and you're step to the wrong direction, you'll hear this voice saying, this is the right way. You should go this, right, this way. But it makes me curious because there's times when I need that direction I haven't heard that voice. Has anybody else ever been desperate to hear from God about his direction? To hear that voice saying, this is the right way and you haven't heard that voice well today we've told you how to hear that voice we discover god's direction write these down through reading biblical teaching through talking that's godly advice through thinking that's common sense through listening that's strong feelings and through watching specific circumstances. So whenever you're desperate to hear God's voice, get out this list. Take some time and say, okay, God, I want to hear that voice, so I'm going to read, and I'm going to talk, and I'm going to think, and I'm going to listen, and I'm going to watch. And you're going to wait for God's voice. May each of us Slow down and quiet down enough to hear God's voice say, this is the way you should go. This is the right way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it'd be so much easier if your voice was audible, if it was a booming megaphone in our brain every time we needed to hear it. But Father, thank you for providing not just one voice, but many methods for us to understand and discern your will. Now, Father, help us. Help us to listen. Help us, Father, to build around us wise people. Help us, Father, to read and study your word so that we can understand what you want us to say. Father, don't let us miss those circumstances, those open doors and closed doors and those unusual voices in our life. Because, Father, with all our heart, we want to follow you. We want to give ourselves to you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.